0: Welcome back to the Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast. This is what we believe to be the last podcast of 2020, a crazy year by any measure of the year. And us jerks have deemed this year, 2020, the year of the documentary. Dog, how you doing? Joining me from Goffstown.
1: Heyo, I'm doing well. Uh, This was truly a year where uh, fact was more compelling than fiction. Uh, and I think the content reflected that um, in terms of what the, the saturation of, con- of documentaries that were put out this year.
0: Right. So, I mean, this isn't the first year where documentaries became popular. That's not what we're saying. We're saying this is the, the documentaries had a year in the fact that at least from my perspective and, your, and I think yours, Dog, I watch more documentaries this year than I ever have in my entire life.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I was always a fan of nature documentaries and history documentaries and stuff like that. Um, but I think it was really I, the introduction of the, firstly, the True true Crime podcast. Uh, you and Laura turned me on to a podcast specifically titled Bear Brook, uh, the, about the uh, these murders that happened in, in our backyard here in New Hampshire. Anyways. Um, and, and there's this whole not I don't want to say movement but there's this whole huge slew of uh, in culture now surrounding true crime stories and documentaries and stuff like that um,
0: and uh, we, dude, you might hear Mookie shaking off in the background we could do a documentary just on his life <laughs> the, well that's the, I mean now alright so talk about saturation or talk about Why
1: this is the year of the documentary is because there's so many. I think Phil and I talked in pre-production how how I think there are more documentaries released almost every week than there are, say, you know, TV shows. Remember how like NBC and ABC, there are just so many TV shows and TV shows. Yep. Uh, And now I think that's, you know, replaced with, uh, you know, the soap, the soap operas and stuff like that have been replaced with documentaries I, and, and for multiple reasons, we're going to get into to, to multiple reasons why we think this is the year of the documentary, um, why documentaries have come into prominence, um, but also, you know, the implications of what that means for us as a society, but also um, the implications in the, uh, uh, of, of what a documentary is in itself. So right, right off the bat, Right off the bat, I think we should define what a documentary actually is.
0: Um, it's a, a story or a news or an elongated news new story or a deep dive news story into some uh, a true happening in the world.
1: So that's where the, I think I'm already going to throw a curveball into the mix um, is the word "true" uh, um, in in. Okay, in, it, how about
0: replacing if, "true"? We'll, we'll say a real life.
1: Real life. Okay. I think that's fair because uh, the truth isn't always, you know, some of these documentaries focus on the lack of truth being told in the narrative of the story.
0: <laughs> I'm already feeling a, a dog-like conspiracy theory coming on here or something along those lines.
1: Well, I mean, no, there's no conspiracies. I'm just saying it is, the truth is in the narrator's hand. So whoever is telling the narrative of the story, it really holds the truth. That's why I would consider, you know, whether documentaries are, the implication of truth is 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 inherent, or I'm not sure if the, the truth actually is inherent. That's kind of what I'm proposing here. Um, I think, uh, you know, we could get into uh, multiple documentaries that pitch a narrative that it's clear who they want you to think is either guilty or uh the target of the story and they can either omit information to support that narrative or you know or to really emphasize certain aspects of a story uh to to focus on that and that and that's not necessarily with true crime and or it is with true crime but not just mutually exclusively with uh true crime it can be you know with um with uh, say a, a documentary like supersize me where you know he just eats straight McDonald's for like however many days yeah and it's just, it's just like oh well, of course you're not gonna feel well after that like
0: <laughs> right I mean I think that that was just that documentary in particular was kind of opening up people's people always knew how unhealthy McDonald's was but that really shined a light on what it can actually do to someone. And, you know, if it's something that you eat every now and then, you know, you might not realize the long-term effects that people who can only afford that food would have on that and their moods and all that stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. so, so as far as like documentaries concerned, as it relates to 2020, I mean, I, we, we titled this one the year of the documentary, mainly because there were so many this year. There wasn't as many f- featured films that you could go out and see in the movies or movie releases that you're aware of. But, I mean, I think it really started like the modern era of, of documentary making, for me at least, started with Making a Murder, uh, the story of Steve Avery who gets convicted twice of two different things that he could, could or could not. The documentary, I think, wants you to believe that he's innocent, but uh, that one was the one that really was kind of like a social phenomenon and everyone was talking about it and binging it and what have you, and then you know, you kind of, you watch the documentary, you're like, how can anyone think that he was ever guilty? And then you kind of go online and do your own research, go to these Reddit posts, go to find, you know, court documents yourself. And you realize that, like what you were saying before, the, the narrator of the story went into it went into there thinking that, you know, d- trying to deliver the point that he was innocent, that this guy was getting a bad rap when, you know, once all the facts were there, it was pretty obvious, I think, that he was guilty in both in both cases. But
1: well i just think that i mean so so what we're getting at is that in these documentaries and and, in their rise to prominence like there's an inherent ethical dilemma that comes with like the the fact that the documentary is that the being titled a documentary is associated with truth immediately and that truth is is as we're finding is relative first off but second off it's not always, you know, we don't always have the full truth. And then it's again, as we as we're repeating ourselves now, it's in the, you know, in whoever holds the pen, whoever's telling the yeah. story,
0: right? It's it,
1: it's in there.
0: I, I mean, there's so much money that goes into these now that I do think much like a movie is made, like that that the director or the producer, the main producer, of the narrative, or the narrator of this has a point like when they start this project, they have a, an end point in mind. And I think it's hard for them once they find other facts to incorporate that or to put it in the light where we can make our own decision. I think it, it's just human nature that they would be trying to d- deliver a point. It's almost like a news article come to life, you know, like there's there's a an agenda once they start the project that they want to get through, um, despite what they what they really find.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there needs to be a way to, to tell the story, you know, like, uh, as we were discussing in pre-production um, about the, there's a new documentary we both just watched called The the, the Middle Beach Murder.
0: Um, murder on Middle Beach. Murder on
1: Middle Beach, which is on HBO. And a, uh, a guy does uh, this doc, makes this documentary about the, the murder of his mom, actually, and goes... Um, interviews his whole family and stuff like that and does really uh in-depth investigating but again it's his own life um so what we were but we what we were discussing is that he had to sell that he has to sell this to in order to get funding in order to do it he has to sell it to a network like hbo so it has to be he has to sell them a story it can't just be like hey I'm, like, doing some research. Can, like, can you just fund, like, my, my passion? Because, you know, there's a million people out there who's, you know, there's a lot of murders in the United States. Yeah, um, no, it,
0: and I think it has to be entertaining, too. Like, I think documentaries now are entertainment, whereas back in the day, it was just basically, like, textbooks come to life. Um, sure, it would be an interesting, true story, but they weren't as engaging as they are now. There's different scenes. There's animation. There's there's animated timelines, there's, you know, cut cut like quick cuts that go back and forth to like different scenes like you would see almost like in an action movie. And, you know, I think that's what's drawing in the audiences now. It's just they know the art form is being refined into something that's more of an entertainment piece. And again, to your point about the truth, it, sometimes, sometimes all the facts get lost in there because they want to deliver a message. An example of that we were, Crystal and I were watching a documentary the other night on, about, on jails and in, in prisons. I can't remember what the name of it was, but they were interviewing an inmate. And in one shot, like they were streaming this whole line together. And in one shot, he has short hair. And in the next shot, like as if we we're, it's in the same breath, he has longer hair. So like a point that they're trying to make came from two different interviews during two different times. But when it's all strung together, it sounds like this is what this guy's, you know, eloquently saying when really they're just picking and choosing kind of things that they want to get across based off of two different quotes. So no, it, and, and
1: that's first off, you're, you're so you're pointing out the art of the documentary, which is, I think, a huge draw for someone like me who really enjoys, uh, you know, storytelling, but also like the the images and stuff the way that things are all stru- brought together especially with the uh s- specific um score and stuff what uh to tie it all together too yep. you're right it's, that goes it's, into it yep it, it it's definitely it's it's made for entertainment purposes and that's why again i mentioned those those ethical dilemmas that come with telling a story truthfully um while maintaining It's entertainment value. So, like, you wonder how many of these stories are actually the full truth or are are whose you know, their their narratives are distorted for that entertainment value or that entertainment purpose.
0: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, getting into, like, I just want to kind of bring it to 2020 as well. So, like, this year. So, I mean... I'm trying to think of something, I'm trying, I guess it's 12 minutes in, we might as well mention Tiger King. So that yeah. that I feel like this year was the most popular documentary of the year. It kind of, everything kind of came together perfectly. Like, you know, there was, we couldn't go to movie theaters, we're in lockdown. They had all this stuff ready to go. And then here comes Joe Exotic with one of the most outlandish stories you'll ever hear. Again, the, the, the chronology of it, like the timeline of it is a little bit mixed up in my head, But they, there's just, they just saw a character, the original director or whatever, saw a character and just knew that America needed to see how crazy this guy was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. a Tiger King, I actually didn't watch it till maybe eight months, or six, six, eight months after it came out because it was so popular. And I was like, I'm just going to wait. I just got to wait because like everybody was talking about it. And I don't
0: like to always ride bandwagons like that,
1: but so I think before we get into <laughs> right bandwagons,
0: it's part of, it's called being part of a narrative dog. Come on.
1: I, well, well I kind of like to see what happens in cultures or, you know, surrounding like what, what people do and then make my own decision thereafter. All right. So anyway, so anyways, uh, what, what, but why, again,
0: focusing on 2020,
1: why Tiger King is so important and, uh,
0: <laughs> Why Tiger King is so important. It, it's it was, funny for you oh to say, but you're right. You are right. You're right. Like, it kind of bar- brought people together. Anyways, it's no, just funny to hear someone like, say Tiger King
1: is important. It's the perfect documentary to to highlight our point in that, like, it was right at the beginning of quarantine. So, so before we go into the specificity of the story, let's talk about, again, 2020, the year of documentary. So, so many movies that were going to come out and already made that were gonna come out in theaters and stuff like that got held back and are still being held back. Like *Tenant*, the Christopher Nolan movie, uh, the new Black Widow the, uh, in the Avengers series, like all these movies were held back and I think they reverted to a lot of these real life content stories uh, because not only have they been popular lately, but uh, I don't think it required The close contact that require like uh, a big movie release requires like the the red carpets and the the movie theaters and the
0: well I think too people are just they don't go to the theaters for a documentary you're any any documentary you've ever watched was either on HBO or something that you chose to bring home to watch like you're not sitting there also with a lot of these documentaries too they go on for a while so. They're, they're more people are more apt. We're kind of in a binge binge mode, like, like we said before in po- post, past podcasts, people are more likely to watch a 10 hour story broken up into 10 different one hour long chapters. than they, they're just as likely to do that as they are to watch a movie. These documentaries almost are given to us in that type of form. So you can binge them in, you know, two nights or whatever. And, you know, we wouldn't be going to the theaters anymore. Now we're at home. We have our home theaters. And this is just the way people watch TV, people watch any type of entertainment.
1: Absolutely. And I also think it's a time where, like, and and this this is one of the only times you'll ever hear me say this term, where fake news is a a term that is on a lot of people's, uh, on the tips of their tongues, and they're trying to figure out what it is. So like, Right now, we're all trying to figure out what the truth is, like where our system's going, like what's happening in our world. And I think that that's another thing that coupled with, you know, um, all the things that come along with quarantine, the limits that it does to like a, a Hollywood film or like a, um, you know, or a, a Hollywood series. Um, I think this, there is some autonomy in it in that it only takes like a couple of people to tell this story and to piece it all together and some editors and um, I was, and so there, there's a lot of reasons that I think documentaries are really coming to prominence. Uh, so not only is truth becoming more disputed and questioned, but I think that it's with the the. The population expands and everything is getting bigger but also the more specific and everyone has a camera in their pocket there's there's so many crazy stories out there like tiger king that you would never hear of just watching the news or just watching nbc or comedy central like you would never hear of that story like tiger king i mean
0: like sure yeah no i think you made a good point there as far as like why these things are picking up too because there's so much more footage on, on on any particular day than there than in the last you know ever since the invention of the smartphone than there have been in the previous i would guess that there's more been more video footage amateur and professional done from 2000 and call it 5 on than there was in the history of mankind before just because it's, it's not, so ready and
1: totally. available and, and and that gives uh, uh, documentaries like american murders they get the Scott Peterson story, the the guy who killed his wife and children. So like that documentary has so much police footage firsthand, like uh, in-house, like uh, camera footage, you know, security camera footage. And like all of it is firsthand. Like you're seeing this story unfold, which is why it's so wild to Mm -hmm. watch Mm -hmm. because this is like truth. And it's not, it's, it's a lot of times, it was is stuff that if it were to be scripted and acted out i'm not sure that it would land as heavily as it does yeah no it's because-
0: com- it's compelling because it's tr- it's true it's real life these are really this is really happening in real life it's 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 like like right like you said you can't write this stuff and to know that it this could be happening at your neighbor's house just makes it that much more tangible like you see a scott peterson you're like oh that that guy looks like someone i play hoops with or something like that like he it just looks like a normal guy and he's doing these crazy things allegedly allegedly should we say, like but like it's i don't know it's it just makes it the, the fact that it's real life just makes it that much more compelling and touches home with with a lot more it's, people
1: i i think it's i i so our family is is full of people watchers. Like we've been doing this forever. Like just studying real life people and like, like can you believe that guy just walked by with like like
0: that yeah. haircut? You know, that's or, not just like, our family, that's everyone. It's people everyone not, loves
1: it's the people. not even like a judgment based thing, it's just like an enjoyment of life. Like it's just watching the world go around and, and remarking at it. So anyways, there's there's so much to be said with this, these documentaries in terms of um, what they can do. Um, so they can tell these alternative stories that we wouldn't might necessarily hear, but they can also give a, a deeper definition to a really important time in history. So uh, um, I talked to Ross, our our future brother-in-law, and and my sister Laura before this, and you know they wanted to make sure you know they thought an important documentary was the the last.
0: Dance. Um, so I, I have it written here. I I would have would have never bet you brought this up, but yes, it was awesome. Go ahead. Sorry. We... No, I mean it just so it reminded me,
1: and I also saw. So this is the Michael Jordan documentary that focused on the Bulls' final year, um, and um, that basically it just like it was a story we all knew because we were all we experienced it firsthand, but like it really gave an in depth. Um, narrative to what was going on uh, within the team and within the, you know, the story that they're telling. Um, But, you know, it's, it is almost alternative education in that it's, again, giving us a deeper look into history.
0: No, I, I I loved it. And I think that five years ago, I couldn't get Crystal to watch that. I don't, um, Laura, Laura was into sports, but I don't think that the general public would watch a sports documentary five years, but I think it just kind of hit at the time where at least our generation who grew up watching Jordan was, you know, it was 20 years after or whatever it was, maybe 22 years after, they were ready to see that. And again, it's all about the way that it's presented too. People are used 10 10 hours of footage. Fine. I can do that. That's no problem. Like, let's, let's binge that out. We can knock that out in less than a week. And it kind of was like a, a, a trip back and, and giving facts of a time that, you know, where we were basketball was at, you know, one of its peaks. I think it's at another peak right now. I love hoops. But it was at one of the best player of, of all time in his prime. We really got to see behind the scenes. And again, he's a real life person, even as much of a hero or a superstar that or like a whatever, a God that we, that we turned him into be. We really kind of put a human touch to who he was. And what's very important too, which some of these documentaries don't have, they had all access to him reflecting back on on those times. Whereas a lot of times, if you're doing like a Ted Bundy de- documentary or you know the Heaven's Gate or whatever, someone back, you don't have access to that person because they're either dead or they refuse to participate. And that's what I thought was so compelling about the Michael Jordan one. I mean, it's the same thing with the podcast too anytime you're talking about someone and it's just the narrator t- narrator telling you about this person's life, it's a little less tangible than if you have the actual main character that it's about. And in this case, of Michael Jordan.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the, so like the personal attestments from like Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman, stuff like that. So it takes all the speculation out of these legendary characters. So like, the, the, this was before the age, right before the internet. So, like, kind of like the kind of the last legends, like that we sports legends, at least that we kind of experienced that along with Tiger, which was, which, which I think you mentioned. What you don't think Tiger? Oh, was of course a I do.
0: I'm just saying that there's there's been plenty of sports legends since then. Tom Brady, dog. He's a sport. He's a legend. Brady, maybe, yeah. There'll be Serena some Serena Williams. I think Serena Williams, whenever the, like the, the major documentary comes out about her, I think she's probably one of the most interesting athletes ever. Um, I, I mean I think that that tells it though. The story needs to be
1: finished, though, in order for it to be told. Yes. Like
0: And I think there needs to be time too. So even though this Tiger documentary is coming out, I can't wait to watch it. Tiger Woods, not Tiger King. <laughs> the original Tiger <laughs> King. He like <laughs> he still is he still is playing in majors. Like, his story isn't over. He just won the Masters two years ago, not even, 2019. Like, he still has an active career. So even though I am excited to watch this, you're right, The Last Dance is just better because it's, okay, we've had a 20-minute rest from Jordan's career, or 20-minute, 20-year, and now we can bring back all the characters and we can talk about what was going on back in those times with footage that we've never seen before. Today, it's just hard for with twi- like Twitter and you know 24-hour news cycles and hacks and everything for that type of footage to remain private or to remain not not leaked before it comes out um so I'm hoping that this Tiger does Tiger Wood stuff does have original footage but that's what was so compelling again about the last dance is that this, there was probably 6 or 7 hours of footage that I had never seen before not not right. including the not including the testimonials this is like game time footage this is what's going on in the locker rooms this is what's going on on the golf course with jordan like just crazy stuff that was just hidden for so long and locked up
1: absolutely i mean so hidden and locked up in like what so like so how about the jim and Andy? so jim carrey uh method acting sure uh so like it's interesting that the timing of all of this stuff, it's almost like so many of these people have been sitting on so much footage for such a long time, almost waiting for a moment where docu-films, docu-series, documentaries are coming to prominence where the stories can be more respected Mm -hmm. almost. And, Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's people's awareness or if it's like the access to films and the digitization of like old footage and stuff like that just makes it easier to edit. Quicker. I'm I'm just not sure. No, I think um, it
0: is I think it is awareness. So there's a documentary that runs every year in the NFL. It's called Hard Knocks. Have you heard of Hard Knocks before? So basically yep. they send a camera crew, they to one team's training camp and they turn it into a series. they call it a docuseries, but it's really just like a real, almost like a reality TV show. Who's gonna make the team? How does a coach coach their players? Like really an inside look. And a lot of these things, I think they are aware. The players are aware that they're being filmed. They're aware that this is a series. Reporters who aren't even involved in this are aware of what's going on and will report stuff before they have time to edit and cut it up. Whereas back then, I don't think, I mean, I mean, Jordan knew that, that their camera crew was following them and everything, but like, I, I don't know, it just, it just wasn't as as prevalent or, people people weren't as, as self-aware as they were, you know, today.
1: Well, with Jordan too, there was just a camera like that was kind of a part of the documentary. There's a camera around him every second of his life, um, right? Which you know, what I mean, like that—that that was a, a big aspect that he hated, and which is why he wanted to get away from basketball um, multiple times. He retired and then came back, um, but but I didn't think he like he knew what that footage would be used for, and would I don't think he ever imagined it would be consumed in like a widespread basis or like you know like throughout culture like you know what i mean like maybe he had that foresight that it would be you know you know important one day i think they
0: I think he always knew that they're going to do something about it but i'm just glad they waited so long because it was kind of like un, you know digging up a time capsule you know what i mean and like seeing what was in there like anytime you've ever buried remember you used to bury time capsules you dig it up in like 20 days and just be like I swear there's there's two time capsules that
1: I can picture Riddlebrook School and then Bedford Mother's Club. I remember burying those things, being like, <laughs> all right, I'm coming back for you 20 years then. And I honestly,
0: 30 years later, I still have
1: no idea where the hell. Really? It was. Like, so,
0: any time capsule I ever buried, I would just go dig it up like a month later. I
1: mean, they, was, I'm sure they're just like forgotten. What if like the principal dies? Like, like, who keeps track of that stuff? True. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, talking about legends and like and stuff like that, kind of uh, putting not the kabosh on speculation, but like giving more detail to legends and stuff like that. Um, I think that that um, goes along with um, proving points or like making visualizing points So stuff like um, uh, David Attenborough's a life on this planet. Um, so he is a legend in our own time, um, and has the ability through this documentary platform to not only, um, given a testament of his life, uh, but can, uh, really pitch like his narrative of, of global, uh, awareness and eco-friendly practices and stuff like that. Um, for anyone who doesn't
0: know who he is, he's the narrator to planet earth.
1: Right, right. And um,
0: I think it's just
1: the fact that that was such a highly anticipated release this year. Um, And if you haven't watched it, you should, because it's basically, he's been reporting on uh, occurrences in the natural world since the 1940s or 1950s. And since then, the population has more than doubled and he correlates his life with the, the decline of certain ecosystems and the, um, uh, you know, certain the extinction of certain animals and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really pretty fascinating uh, story, but for him to be able to give the specificity uh, before he dies about his experience is, I think like it's, it's kind of, it's a new thing. Mm. Uh, and it's and it it's goes very, into
0: what it goes into like that self awareness right like
1: yeah sure and 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 that he brings it up so how the world it, it, our awareness changed once we went out into space and kind of saw looks back at the world had these pictures of a, a single globe and being like oh we're all one species like we're all on this one planet and mm-hmm. it's finite like he talks about how that was there was such a shift in the way of thinking during that time um, so, so
0: in my yeah. research that's interesting like so these like this animal shows right because that's what he's mainly involved like animal planet like all the all you know ecosystems so I didn't even think about that in my in my research because I again I was trying to I was mainly focused on 2020 and a lot of like these murder and sports and documentaries but that is those are documentaries too it actually kind sure. of I actually have a question for you that I, I had planned like so i always wondered, like, okay, so what if they did, so they have this, this camera planted up in like the Pyrenees or whatever, and they're trying to capture like this rare cat that lives up there. What if they never do that? What if, like, so for any documentary, so let, let's take, let's take, the, yeah. So what if they can't get a picture or footage if they're waiting out there in the desert for 40 days or whatever, and they can't get the picture of, of, or they can't get the footage of lions taking down an elephant or what? Like, what do they do? How many documentaries are out there that went out to go get footage and just failed? How many do you think that are out there? Like, and well, what do they? I, and what do they do with it? Do they, like they hype up the the shitty footage that they have, or like? Or I'm what? sure they
1: sell it to documentaries and stuff to be used as b roll and Nat Geo stuff, and uh, but I have a feeling that a lot of these documentaries do set goals, like you said, they want to find a certain cat. Um, and then, um, but I think to your answer, even th- they've made documentaries out of the making of documentaries., <laughs> yeah, so great. that's what they'll do. So like it'll, like the human story behind filming the great cats of the Pyrenees, mm-hmm. like they, the, if if they can't, or if 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 they do catch their like maybe like fifteen seconds of film, uh, what? How they'll expand that is like make a documentary about the guys who made it right. and the efforts they went to. Right. So no matter what, they're gonna find something out of it. I think. But, but, um, but I think that is another part of documentaries that is new and exciting. And one of my favorite parts of documentaries, my it's one of my favorite genres is like the, the the insight into the natural world that you could never go into the into the middle of the Sahara Desert. Right. But they have a camera there that you can just check out what's going on True. right now. True. Like it's 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 pretty insane. But like again, <clears throat> using documentaries to pitch an idea and to sell an idea is is clearly is is very effective.
0: Yeah, so so but that's part of my question though. Like what if they go into this documentary? So what if they pitch something's pitched to HBO? Let's just take the Jinx for instance, right? The one with, with Robert Durst. What if they don't get that gotcha moment at the end? What do they do with all that footage? So what if they look into this guy, his history of, you know, he's just always around the wrong, the right place at the wrong time for all these murders, and then they don't get the final burp, like, you know, confession where he keeps his, what if they don't have that? Do they even have a documentary? Like, I'm sure they had to pitch it to HBO or someone before then. And then, I mean, the reason why that documentary was so good was because they had that gotcha moment at the end. What if they don't have that? Do we even are we even looking at something here? And how many documentaries go out there, or how many teams go, crews, whatever, go out there with these ideas and just come and and just swing and whiff?
1: I think there's very few that swing and whiff because it, I've seen I watch a lot of documentaries. Okay,
0: but you would admit they... that the Jinx wouldn't be as good if they didn't have that last. Of course it wouldn't. It's uh, if you haven't seen
1: if you're listening to this, you haven't seen the Jinx on HBO. It is quintessential true crime documentary. You have to watch it. Okay, like you
0: have. So we just spoiled the ending. They get him. They get him to admit that he that he was involved in a murder. But anyways, so so I'm asking I'm asking you, did they even
1: do they even produce
0: it? Do they even produce it if they don't have that? Yes, because of
1: the, the, the background. He's already, this is like 20 years ago. So there's already a whole story to be told. And then they get these interviews. So I, that one, the story was already written. All they had to do was to edit it together and then put him in a room and kind of put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Frost Nixon. Uh, like that, you know, the, the, we know how the red light can change the way respond to things or brighter you know what i mean yeah like so <clears throat> i i think that no matter what they're gonna have something but why that final scene is why it's one of the best yeah, yeah the, that gotcha moment
0: yep uh, so thinking about what a, a documentary that you brought up from this year which was compelling but kind of didn't have that gotcha moment at the end was the murder on middle beach again the kid madison burger who was interviewing people trying to get to the, to the bottom of the, the murder of his mother. and they at the end of the document, the, uh, the, the four po- the four part series, he still doesn't know who's killed his mom, but they kind of revolved the whole season around that final interview with his dad where he kind of alludes to you know corrupt stuff. but like we're watching we're watching this documentary to find out who killed the mother. And he kind of brought us over this way, like, oh, I finally got my dad to admit that he was involved in some shady shit. We still don't know who killed his mom. Like, you think that that was probably his goal at the beginning of, of you know, when he put the documentary together and we're still not there yet. So you're thinking that, OK, this is one of those cases where they don't have the aha moment, but they still have all this footage and they, they kind of switch the narrative midway so that they could come up with an entertaining product. Is, it, is that kind of a good example of that or what? So I think it's good. All right.
1: So what I think that documentary specifically is and why it was so good is there was a, a total, there was the art of documentary used in that, like the way it was edited together is compelling and exciting the way it goes from episode to episode. Uh, the way everything is, is outlined, uh, is, is compelling. But what I think it really is, is highlights is the efficacy of, of of using the documentary platform to further an agenda. So, so many of these. Uh, so what was his
0: agenda then? What was his agenda?
1: He's pressuring the police. He's pressuring the police to not only make an arrest and to, to, to do better detective work, but to also, as you find out, they weren't, they weren't willing to work with his own private investigators that had additional information and see, stuff like see, that. So what he's doing is using this platform to further the his, the, the finding whoever killed his mom. So, so, do you,
0: so, so But don't you agree when he started this out, he wanted to find who the killer was. That was his initial agenda. The fact that he wasn't getting anywhere and he still hasn't got, gotten really anywhere. He changed his agenda. He changed the narrative to, to show Stuff like that. It's like, like the police work, shoddy police work, or the fact that his dad was involved, he was a bad dad or whatever. Like, I feel like the documentary changed agendas from what he initially sent out to to do because he didn't find that end, that end answer. Like, we don't have the answer of who killed his mom. Though, like, you're right, it was still very well done. The documentary was compelling and I watched it and the kid is, there's something about the kid that's, you know, that's, You'd think he'd be one of your friends or something like that. But so all that, that, and it was in New England too. So maybe for us, I've actually spent some time in Madison, Connecticut. But I'm saying, in a perfect documentary like The Jinx, wouldn't we already know who killed the mom? Or is he, do you think he knows and he's saving that for a new season?
1: He has his opinion. Um, but what he's doing here is using this documentary platform to bolster to to put more pressure on the case. So that's why I think this this is such an important topic to talk about is because of the real life implications that these documentaries can have. So like by bringing national attention to this state police force like these guys, as well as the kids, and I, I won't spoil too much because I really suggest you watch it.
0: Well, I feel uh, like I already did by saying that they don't find the murderer, but okay. Not, I don't think that does. It's because it's the
1: details, the finite, the nitty gritty, finite details, and the the way that everyone is acting, and also the 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 way the way it's done is again, again, it's artful. There's it's it's really it's 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 fascinating. Um, but I don't. I also think it was done again in a way that is entertaining. But in ultimately, it it furthers his agenda by putting pressure on all the parties at hand here.
0: Gotcha. Okay, I I understand what you're saying. His agenda hasn't changed. He's just putting the pressure on. Like he he has all this money and all this exposure to the people involved to get the job done.
1: Absolutely. I mean, so that's why I think these documentaries are, they're a little dangerous. It's a double-edged sword. Um, not only are they effective in getting a narrative or a point across, because seeing is believing uh, for a lot of people. Um, and, and I, and I think they're really effective, but again, it's, it's in the whoever's pitching this or, or delivering this, 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 uh, piece of, uh, we keep I keep saying artful. So it's a piece of art. art. It is.
0: It's turned into art. It has. All right. So, so what, what right now, would you, I mean, a question I have written down, what would you like to see a documentary done on from maybe a news article in the last five years or a sports figure or whatever, what would you, if Tim, if you were given a million or, you know, hundred million dollar budget to go out and make a documentary on someone assuming access to famous people whatever was given to you what would you do your, your documentary on what what would you find interesting well personally i would do it
1: what came to mind is my one of my favorite bands wolfpack um i would do a documentary first off there's a new movement in indie independent music so there are so many artists out there who are unwilling to sign with record labels and who are just doing passion projects. And Wolfpack for me uh, is not only an inspiration, but they uh, they they're just passion people. So, anyways, it's a bunch of great musicians who have have solely followed their passions and their and their their crafts. But it, it's 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 about the philosophy that they have as well, and that it's. Um, it's about trying. It's, it's about hard work. Trying, trying your hardest, being positive, but also being realistic, um, and being transparent. Uh, so for me personally, I think the uh, indie indie music movement is really fascinating right now, and I also think the the consciousness movement of of people elevating and expanding their consciousness based on their true selves and their they're living in transparent uh, states. Yeah. So that's, anyways, for me, what's most fascinating. Cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I said it before. I would I would like to do have an all-access pass with Serena. And I just think she's so interesting. Like everything I read, I'm just completely compelled, not only of her success in, in tennis, but just kind of like the mogul that she kind of made herself. And really, if you remember growing up, she was the second sister to Venus growing mm-hmm. up and then she just turned herself into basically an empire like she's got this fashion thing she's got you know this you know weird relationship with the rest of her family so much shit has happened in her family like and all with all of that stuff to be like the best tennis player ever to ever to play i think is just wicked interesting but again her story's still- not over too she's still going after those majors so i would probably have to wait another Five ten years, or maybe start to put all the footage together now, and then after have her do the testimonial on her career. But
1: so so coming in so coming into this era, uh, reality TV precedes precedes all this. How, do you think that had much of a role in the influence that documentaries had? So like, um, yeah,
0: yes and no. I think that they're two separate genres, but I think that they're well, yeah, but like. <laughs> The, the 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 interest in them is, is this is stems from the same thing. These are real people, they don't have fake names. We're not doing this on ten hundred you know, there's no there's one cut for all the footage that we're seeing because it's real life. Um though reality TV show is probably a little bit muddled nowadays, but yeah, like I think that the interest is the same because of it's it's all live, essentially. Even though at the end people like documentaries there's, like I said before, there's one take. I'm I'm rambling now, but it's it's the it's the genuine actions of humans that you know can't be rewritten or can't be rescripted or or double taked.
1: Yeah. No. And I think it's also, um, yeah, what what we are being pitched as real life stories, um, and and I think that's where and not true. Life stories. I think you you stated at the beginning is real life, so yeah, it's
0: like we both did. We the, you made me do that.
1: <laughs> the, the truth isn't always you know in, in implied. I think in all of these documentaries, um, and and one thing I'm going to bring up, um, which I'm going to see if you think these are these are actual documentaries or so. There's a ton of UFO and uh, paranormal. Uh, documentaries, quote-unquote docu-films that are out there um, that claim... All right, so there's one called Unacknowledged. Um, there's one called The Most Unknown. These are ones that I... And then, all right, so... Uh, the, the, then there's um, um, Close, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, um, which is about uh, making contact through meditation. So there's, like, all these, these wild... "Quote unquote documentaries mm-hmm. out there that that they the narrative that they're pitching is is that the implications are huge. So and, and of course they're you know they have no or the, the not no but they have little physical proof. Wait, wait, wait! You lost
0: of, me. You said the implications are huge. What do you mean, like the,
1: the fact that they're talking to aliens or that they're seeing? Oh, oh, yeah." Like other worlds and stuff like that. So like so that's why I'm I'm I, I use the word documentary lightly here, but it's it's real people attesting that they're experiencing these things, or you know, Bob Lazar was at Area 51 and he can do these like Okay, so can, what's
0: your question uh, to me? You're asking me, do I think do I consider those documentaries? Um uh, so
1: so right so what they i think they are documentaries but so what does that say about the state of the documentary right now
0: that that like we said at the beginning it it doesn't necessarily need to be true it just needs to be about real people's ex real people and their experiences and their testimonial like that's and, and then you can just de- you can determine what's true or not i think now like I think when we used to watch dec- documentaries we can like I said before we considered them textbook we considered them this is someone who's studied a lot and is bringing us the truth. I think nowadays we can look at these things and take them as not not only as they are but what we think they are based off of the facts that are provided in there. The director of the narrative is no longer the narrator is no longer someone who's just paid to read off cue cards. They're a character in these things too and we can judge their you know their the how genuine they are and, and if they're giving us the full story we also have the internet too we can go out there and do our own research and see what's true what's not like or i guess the internet i mean you you'd probably argue that the internet is full of lies too which it is but we can make our own opinions based off of a documentary whereas before i think we just took them as fact so so, so obviously if some guy is claiming he's meditating and talking to aliens I'm going to go bullshit. I'm going to say, okay, that's fucking bullshit. Maybe he is having those experiences. Maybe that's two wires in his brain crossing that I don't have that makes him think he's really experiencing this. I'm going to see him and be like, okay, look at him. He's got 20 cats in his house. The guy's a freaking lunatic. I think he's lying, but it's entertaining. So what the hell?
1: All right. Well, I mean, and that's that allows everybody to, again, make their own determination. But in this age and... and where these documentaries are presented i think you at the beginning of this podcast called them news stories um so some of these documentaries are presented as news and at what point so how how, how dangerous is this double-edged sword how much because, because there's so much autonomy in our um dissection of it or our interpretation of it like where like where does the truth kind of begin? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this I, is I get all...
0: you. I get you. I mean, the the, the only danger is that comes from it from my from my uh, thought is if people are trying to rate if if they're doing like an eco film and then they're asking you please send money because the polar bears will die Tuesday if you don't do it. Well, okay, that's not true, but but you know that that could be dangerous. Or if there's a false conviction. So if it's like these true crime things. And say they did like a deep fake, say that wasn't Durst's face and it was someone else with a Durst mask on or whatever. We found out that he really wasn't like that's where it can get dangerous for false, false, you know, convictions. But other than that, I mean, I I think at least you and I are at a point where we, we recognize these things as entertainment more so than fact. And we're not in a position to, you know make any decisions that will, you know, face anyone or determine the, the path of anyone else's life. So, I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Like, I don't.
1: So I think, I think that it is very much, I think that it, it's a double-edged sword, as I've said a couple of times before, in that, like, we have access to all this, like, so World War Two in color, like all this firsthand account of stuff that's already happened, like the more textbook style stuff, that is, you know, just amazing to learn about, and stuff that honestly didn't grasp me in school, but now that it's being presented in a more artful way, mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely grasping me, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much through this this documentary genre. I'm learning yeah. so much, and yeah. it's so stimulating. Um, that being said, um, having to constantly you know decipher what's true and what's not i know that's a part of life and everything but i think that, that what's what's especially dangerous about these is the 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 definition that they're presented with like the the sureness that so many of these are presented right. with right uh and how and how malleable people are yeah uh, but I, what, I just, so
0: so if someone believes something that that we can see through like where's the danger in that like it's are you saying that like people like someone with an agenda who's duping their audience to believe that a Steve Avery is innocent or vice versa or whatever. So, I mean, so if one person thinks one way versus the other versus something that really only Steve Avery knows where's, what's the harm in us forming opinions of that? Um, I think
1: it comes to quite it questions, our systems at larger and it. I think it, if the, that's what I'm saying. The implications are bigger than just one single person. Like these questions that some of these documentaries pose, I think are bigger than they can take responsibility for. Yeah. So just like the internet, how now we have access to all this information, and there's a generation, my generation of my people, whose anxiety and depression is just like cranked way up and everyone's like why did this happen it's like oh and then we got all like the internet was introduced we have all this information so what i'm saying is the correlation here is we need to have some foresight we need to have some knowledge we need to have some uh, ability to sit back and not be reactive to these things so i think i I feel like a lot of these documentaries want to inspire a reaction right and inspire you to To
0: to, But a reaction that you do what with, like short of if they're asking for money after or if they're, you know, if you're a jury member, like what are they actually asking us to do? They're just asking us to think and have a discussion about these things, at least the majority of the people, not to not to send anyone to jail. I mean, I. I, I guess I guess I don't see the danger in just having discussions based off of people's, how they interpreted something, much like you would if you're looking at a painting, right? One person could look at a painting we're, we're and we're think- dealing with, Because we're dealing with people's real lives, like in Tiger King, the follow-up episode
1: they have, like each, each um, member who is working for Joe Exotic, like who is focused on, like they got their names dragged through the mud on the internet, Like, those are real people who, you know what I mean, have their own problems. Those are also people who signed waivers to be a part of that documentary, though. Listen, they didn't... Back when the guy who with the hat was shooting it, this was all footage that was bought. (laughs) Like, by Netflix, years, years later, Netflix probably didn't even exist or wasn't what it was today when they started filming that. Like, I think... I think the fact that these documentaries are taking people's real life stories and using them for entertainment. I think there is a slippery slope there. And, and it's one that I think we, as a culture need to be aware of. And what my comparison to the internet is let's not just go full force into this stuff and, and, and embrace it as fact or as, or as. Or as the new source of education, although I, I pitched it as alternative education, I think we just need to pump the brakes. And although, you know, all this stuff is entertaining and compelling, there's still real people behind it all.
0: But I think now in 2020, I think we, honestly, we as a society do hear something, whether it's a news story, whether, and I think we are now that we've been, that there's been so much exposure as far as like these documentaries has brought to light, like certain stories that just aren't real, that there's proven that aren't real. I think now anytime I hear something on the news, even if it's the freaking weather, Right? Like, I, I don't believe, I don't believe it. Like, I don't plan my life around, you know, certain things. Like, I mean, I guess if there's like a big storm, you know what I mean? Like, I think now we're, we're almost taught, especially in the last four years that, or four or five years, that whatever someone's telling us, you have to take with a grain of salt, whether it's in documentaries, news, whatever, because there's a chance that it's it's not true.
1: But there are a huge population of people who don't have that ability dog that don't have that scrutinous eye and are living in a reactive state where like they're not it, that maybe they didn't have access to computers growing up. So like they didn't have that influx of information or, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe they're an older, like I wait on a lot of old folks um who are really afraid right now because they, they believe everything they read or like they think they have a scrutinous eye, but they can't believe that someone would take the time to write this long article with mal intent, like with Mm -hmm. malice intent, like they just can't believe that. So whatever they're reading has to be, there has to be some truth in it. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the, it it affects real people in, in ways that I think we aren't necessarily taking into account. All right. So, That's why I guess I would, I would, I think again. The last time I'll say it, it's a double-edged sword um, that you know can not only educate us deeper and further and and, and expand our awareness and and understanding of the world, but also you know the you know the truth is in the creator, isn't you know so. All right, then, so last
0: last question I have for you: What was your favorite documentary of twenty twenty? What was your favorite one? My favorite, my favorite
1: documentary of twenty twenty, God, Tiger King was so entertaining. Like, although I'm sure so, oh, no, sh- it's hard. I hate to say it too, but it's hard. Not not know. my answer, though. Okay, it's not my. It's answer. not my. It, it was so entertaining, and I was like, oh, it was so great. My favorite documentary of two thousand twenty was called My Octopus Teacher. And what, dude, what? Yeah, this documentary, my octopus teacher, is on Netflix, <laughs> and it is about this guy, this 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 um, this uh, film filmographer who dives in the kelp forests off of South Africa, super dangerous, without a wetsuit, and he he dives and dives and dives, and uh, he comes across this octopus doing this really strange things, and he befriends it and dives with the thing for like 300 days straight and has these amazing experiences that have never been captured on film, but it raises questions. Not only is the documentary visually striking in that like the colors and the underwater, you know, stuff that he films is just is striking, but yeah. uh, the documentary raises questions about Consciousness in that it, the, the octopus has an ability to change its texture, its color. It has the ability to interact. It has no, his parents, its mother dies as it gives birth. So it has no one to teach it. Everything it learns is innate. Its entire body is is part of its brain. So its tentacles, its suction cups are a part of its men, is, is brain it's one of the most fascinating documentaries I think I've ever seen on top of being uh just really uh, visually stimulating. Um But I love that. I think my, my heart really does lie in nature documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um And uh
0: No, mine does and, too. I, th- I, th- I think sports or, or at least the animal planet was one of the first documentaries or the longest documentary I had watched up until that date. And I loved, I loved it. But I don't know. Sports is too. Sports is compelling, but I gotta say, I can't go back and watch like a, a documentary about like a a former athlete or or someone before my generation. It almost it feels. Uh, I'm more compelled to watch something that I watch growing up. So I'd be more mm-hmm. likely to watch a Joe Montana, um, documentary than I would like a Roger Staubach or a Johnny Unitas. Because I actually watched Joe play, you know, I watched Tom Brady yeah. Yeah. play. Um, so sports would be would be mine. And, and it's no surprise that The Last Dance was my favorite documentary of the year. So
1: oh, it was awesome. It was it pumped like that was also the beginning of quarantine. Um, so we all had the time. So that's a whole different element that we didn't even talk about is the time that we now have. in you touch on with binge culture a little bit, but the time that we can all commit to hours and hours and hours of a true story yeah. Uh, but yeah it, it the last dance pumped me up that was a lot of fun um uh but i guess for me because it's all about me uh mm-hmm. the uh the nature documentaries just remind me of uh uh me and dad i guess as a as a young kid we you know and putt and i actually at lamb's workshop when <laughs> i was looking forward to the the days where they would show the nature documentaries yeah. and i i guess just always as an animal person i always enjoyed learning about them
0: but uh there's, yeah there's no some... they're they're definitely compelling and some of the footage that they get now is just so incredible like and the way that they oh, can so... change the filters on the cameras too like there that's where i think in those nature documentaries that's where some of like the lie is so like you know yeah. You know, like it's it's the filter that they turn on in the caves when they have like the trends you know the the lighting up of the algae in the sea i've seen that in real life like it's cool but it's not like they they turn it into like fireworks on tv yes, uh, yes
1: that's a good point um and same with the sound so most of the sound that you hear matched up with the slow motion stuff like it's not the actual like the either sound clips or Uh, taken at a different time than the actual footage that you're witnessing Um, so no there's definitely some manipulation in those as well that's a really good point yeah
0: but I Um, mean for the most part I mean an animal going after another animal they don't they're not aware of cameras so we uh, you know that's as close to instinct or true that I think that that's probably why you like them because it's really happening like they're not they're not self-aware whereas humans are and you know, you you wonder what the agenda is when when they know that the red light's on. So, all right, well, man. No, I real quick if, for the animal
1: stuff. Do you ever notice that? All right, so there's uh, that loon call. That then this isn't in documentaries, but like no, it doesn't matter what country they're in. Like no matter what, there's a spooky scene that. Skoo!
0: Yeah, oh yeah. It's yeah. just like in,
1: like that loon only exists in the north. Like what the hell is it doing in Japan? Oh, we like, could probably do. <laughs> right, right. Like, wait a minute like they're they're in africa and there's a
0: there's a there's a loom there we could probably do a whole nother podcast on documentary cliches so how about the ones like if they're doing about a serial killer and they have audio they have audio on them there's always like the old time tape deck that they're running like yeah yeah right (laughs) when they're with the subtitles like you know, it's, it's probably some jumbled phone call and, but they always bring out like the tape roll or the old movie tape thing. Uh, like uh, there, there could be, I wish I had done more research on cliches, but there's definitely new. So the timeline thing now too, the timeline, they always move the screen back and forth with the timeline. There's an animation that's seems to be really popular that they do with, 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 uh, yeah, there's ways to sell the story
1: there because yeah. there's, 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 you know, that are, that are, it's going from the, as you refer to as textbook news stories about what's happened in the past to more entertainment based stories that are have, have sure if they're yeah. if
0: if they're if they're not able to find answers, they'll do a montage of people going from house to house. no, never heard of it. nope, never heard of it. It'll be like, and it'll be there'll be music in the background saying like it's they're creating montages where it's just kind of like true stuff like are we watching it's it's blurring the line are we watching a rocky film do i like this because this is done in rocky or was like right do i like this because he is getting the rejections like or if they kept the camera rolling the entire time as he went to house to house it would be way less compelling Mm -hmm. all right man well i don't know do you think they'll ever do a documentary on jerks in the fourth row?
1: I don't know. Would you watch a documentary about two guys sitting and looking at their computer screens, drinking seltzer? And and just talking bullshit? (laughs) Talking shit and like waiting for their dogs to fall asleep. It's really not that compelling. Oh, come on.
0: Well, if they do, I'm taking the bigger cut. How
1: about this? I'll I'll take... I'll take creative rights, and you can have animation rights, and then uh, I'm sure Spotify is going to rank
0: down the rest. Yeah, Spotify will take down ninety we, percent. We're left with this with the scraps. Deal. You got yourself a goddamn deal. All right, dog. Happy New Year.
1: Peace.